So, uh, isn't it awesome, New Bethel, that we've got our fingerprints all over the place? Amen? Amen. It's awesome. We're a part of it. Keep it coming. God bless you. Grab your Bible and stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Hey, looking in the book of Nehemiah, chapter number one. The book of Nehemiah, chapter number one this morning. We're going to begin reading with verse number one. Read down and include verse number 11. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, it came to pass in the month of Kislev in the 20th, in the 20th year as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came with me, or came uh, with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open, that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying that if you are faithful, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling place for my name. Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. And let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. This morning I want to talk to you for a few moments about the heart of Nehemiah. The heart of Nehemiah. Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord this morning that is indeed a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. Father, I just pray today that your anointing, Lord, will rest upon the message, the messenger today. Give us ears to hear the word of the Lord today. Receive it and make application of what we receive. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, my goal for the message today is for us to discover the incredible heart of Nehemiah and then for us to desire a heart just like his. You see, Nehemiah had a heart both for God and man. And this is the kind of heart that pleases God. I want us to walk through this chapter today and see what we can see. And there are six things that I want us to talk about today and six things that I want to call your attention to this morning. The first thing that I see in this passage is the condition and it's found in verse number three. 
says that they said to me, Nehemiah said, they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. Nehemiah's homeland was in trouble. His beloved city of Jerusalem had suffered loss. This once powerful, fortified a city with walls. The walls had been torn down and they lay in ruins. Two things verse 3 says about what could be found in Jerusalem at this particular time. And the first thing that could be found there was distressed people. Distressed people, verse number three, the, the, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The people in the city were distressed. They were discouraged. They were dismayed. What they, oh, what they once had was now gone. Things had changed for them and not for the better. Perhaps this describes someone here today. Things have certainly changed in your life and not for the better. What you once had, you no longer have. And you too are distressed and discouraged and dismayed. Perhaps you wonder, will will things ever turn around for me? Will, Will I ever recapture what I have lost? I remember going through a period of time where I felt exactly like this several years ago. Now, I'm not one that's prone to depression. I don't don't battle this depression very often. I I don't have this problem. I thank God for it. I, I don't get down very often. And when I do get down, it usually doesn't last very long, usually just a few hours. But I remember this particular time in my life when, when it went on for a time and I began to wonder, will things ever be like they once were in my life? The valley of discouragement can be very deep and very dark. Two things that, that verse three, oh, that can be found in Jerusalem at this time. Number one, distressed people. The second thing that could be found there was destroyed property. Verse number three, the wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. All of the protection that Jerusalem once offered has been destroyed. The city set there totally vulnerable to any and all of her enemies. The great wall that that once made her a fortress and brought protection and security to its people was broken down. The the gates that that once could be closed and, and locked up tight and secure were burned to ashes. And this once great city now sits there totally exposed and vulnerable and unable to provide protection. And again, perhaps this describes you this morning. Perhaps this describes your life today. Your property has been destroyed. The enemy has come in and taken some things from your life. Maybe you have lost a job. And for you, that job was that sense of security. For you, that that job was that wall of protection around your life. That that you can say, I can take just about anything as long as I have my job. As long as I have a check coming in. As long as I have financial security, I can can face just about anything coming in. But, But you lost your job. 
Maybe something far worse than losing your job. Perhaps it's a marriage. A marriage that you lost. Oh, maybe it's your health. Oh, maybe maybe you've lost some of your possessions. Oh, oh you once felt safe and, and secure and settled. And, oh, but today the condition of your life has greatly changed. And perhaps you feel just like the people of Jerusalem must have felt like in our text. The first thing that I see in the passage is the condition. The second thing that I see in this passage is the compassion. And that's found in verse number 4. And so it was when I heard these things, Nehemiah said that I sat down and I wept. And I mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Two things that I see in this verse. Number one, I see the tears. The tears, Nehemiah says, oh, oh, when I heard of these things, oh, when I heard of the condition of my people, when I heard of the condition of my homeland, I sat down and I wept. Let me ask you this morning, how long has it been since we wept over somebody else's situation? Understand, Nehemiah wasn't personally experiencing the devastation of Jerusalem. He wasn't there. He was in the palace with the king. He was the cupbearer of the king. He was living in luxury. He had everything that he could ever need or, or ever want. But when he heard of the devastation of his homeland and of his people, it moved him to tears. He sat down and wept. Talking about the heart of Nehemiah today. Oh, my prayer is this morning, God, give us a, a compassionate heart like Nehemiah. Oh, may we all be moved to tears when we see or hear of our brothers and sisters around the world or even next door to us that are struggling. First John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18 says that if anyone... Oh, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or a sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love one another, but let us show that we do by our actions. You see, compassion doesn't just say, I feel sorry for you, I'm sorry you're going in or I'm going, sorry you're going through what you're going through. Compassion doesn't just say, I feel sorry for you, but compassion lends a helping hand. Verse 4 not only reveals Nehemiah's tears, but also it reveals his turmoil. Verse number 4, when I heard the words, I sat down and I wept. Notice, and I mourned for many days. Nehemiah doesn't just shed a tear or two, wipe away the tear, and then go about his business. No, he's in turmoil over this. How oh, he, this breaks his heart. He gets a burden for this situation. So often we have a missionary come, or we see a video, or we read a book or an article, and we see of the need of people around the world and the devastation, and all the heartbreak that is that is so many are experiencing. We shed a tear or two while we're there, and we wipe away the tear, and we walk out unchanged, doing nothing about it. We're talking about the heart of Nehemiah this morning. God, give us a heart like me, like Nehemiah. 
How long has it been since we carried a true burden for somebody other than ourselves? How long has it been since we experienced true compassion for the need of somebody else? Did you know that true compassion for somebody other than yourself is a key to getting your own prayers answered and your own life blessed? True compassion for somebody other than yourself oh, is a key to getting your own prayers answered and your own life blessed. It, it's proven in the life of Job. You know the story of Job of how he was a man of God but he became tested by the, by the enemy and how everything that he received, every, every blessing that he had, everything that he had was stripped away from him. And as long as he sang the blues and as long as he cried the blues and as long as he grumbled and complained and cried and bellyached about his situation, it got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Guess what the key was for Job and for seeing his situation turned around? It's found in Job chapter 42 and verse 10. It says that the Lord restored Job's losses. When? When did he do it? When did he do it? The Bible said when he prayed for his friend. When Job got his eyes off of his own problem, when he stopped singing the blues, when he got his eyes off of his own life and his own dilemma and his own problem, only then did God hear him and God restore him. Amen? You see, when we show true compassion for somebody else, this gets God's attention and as a result causes him to show compassion to us. Amen? The third thing that I find in this, in this passage is the consecration that's found in verses 4 through 6. Is my monitor on? Verse 4 through 6. I like my monitor to be loud because I like my preaching better than anybody. <laughs> and so it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night. For the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned. Nehemiah's consecration involved three things. First of all, it involved prayer. Verse 4 and verse 5 says that Nehemiah prayed. Nehemiah knew who to turn to in times of crisis. He knew that his God could change things. Hear me this morning, prayer changes things. Friend, God can do more for us in a moment than people can do for us in a lifetime. When will we understand, friend, that when we have a dilemma, when we have a crisis, when we have a problem, we need to turn to God in prayer. But not only did it include prayer, it also included praise. Verse number 5, Oh, great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and keep your commandments. Oh, friend, if we only knew the potential of praise. I've said this many times, but it bears repeating. Praise produces God's presence. You might say, Pastor, it seems like God is a million miles away from me. Well, that just tells me that you haven't been praising. That just tells me that you haven't been praising. Amen? Amen? 
Because praise produces God's presence. The Bible says that God inhabits or God takes up residence in the praise of His people. Praise produces God's presence. And friend, then God's presence produces power. Do you need God to work in your life? Then try praising Him because praise, praise God does for God. Amen. What cheerleaders do for a team. So stop pouting and start praising. Nehemiah's consecration was revealed in three ways. Through prayer, through praise, and through persistence. Verse number 6. Hear the prayer of your servant which I pray before you day and night. Notice he said, I pray day and night. Now I understand that there's some, some hyper faith teachers today that, that say that if you ask God for something more than once, then all of the subsequent prayers are prayed in unbelief. Well listen, I just learned a, a new Greek word the other day. Baloney! I know another one. Hogwash! Try telling that to Elijah who prayed for rain not once, not twice, not three times, but it was seven times, amen, before the rain cloud appeared. Amen, tell that to Jesus who said in Matthew 7 and 7 in the Amplified Version, ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. Jesus said, for he who asks and keeps asking will receive, and he who seeks and keeps on seeking will find, and to him who knocks and keeps on knocking, the door will be opened for him. No, my friend, we do not just pray once and that's it, but we have enough prayer, we have enough faith to pray again, and enough faith to pray again, and pray again, and enough, pray to, uh, enough faith to persist in prayer and pray until the answer comes. The fourth thing that I see in this passage this morning is the confession, and it's found in verses six and seven. Nehemiah says, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant which I pray before you now day and night for the children of Israel, your, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses, the confession, and the confession and the repentance that comes from Nehemiah is twofold. First of all, let me suggest that it is public. It is first public. Nehemiah repents for the open public corporate sins of his people. Hear me this morning, you and I, today, we need to repent for and confess of the sins of our nation. We need to repent to God for our nation that has tossed Him out of our public schools and posted a sign that says, Keep out. We need to repent for a nation that has legalized murder in the form of abortion as called it a mother's choice. We need to repent for a nation that was founded on Christianity and godly principles but now rejects and even ridicules these principles uh, and anyone that stands for them. Listen, we need to stand publicly and repent for the sin of our nation. And let me tell you this morning, confession and repentance goes a long, long way with God. Second Chronicles 7 and 14 says that if my people, 
which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then and only then, he said, will I hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Will somebody stand today as a representative of the United States of America and openly and publicly say, God, we repent. Amen. We openly repent today. God, forgive us for the sin of our nation. Not only was Nehemiah's confession public, it was also private. Verse 6 and 7, I confess the sins that we, say we, that we have sinned against you, both my father's house and I. Nehemiah said, not only my father's house, not only has my nation sinned, but I have sinned. Nehemiah refused to play the blame game. He acknowledged his own sin and unrighteousness. The Bible says that all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. Oh, we love to point an accusing finger at this one and that one and somebody else. Oh, I have people tell me, I used to not so much anymore, but people used to say, oh, I love it when the preacher names sin. Oh, they like it when the preacher got up and preached against smoking, drinking, dipping, chewing, and cussing. Oh, they loved it when the preacher got up, got real, you know, close to home and preached and call things out. But what I discovered was that as long as I stayed away from their sin, they liked it. Oh, I like it when preachers name sin. You don't when I name yours. Amen. The Bible says all have sinned. Jesus said, don't look at your brother and his splinter in his eye when you got a four by four coming out of your own. Pastor, you don't know what to say next? Oh, I know what to say next. I'm just... <laughs> keeping myself from saying a whole lot of things right here. <laughs> Hear me this morning. Confession and humility go a long way with God. James 4 and 6 says that God resists the proud, but He offers grace to the humble. He said in verse 10, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. We're talking about the heart of Nehemiah today. Oh, he possessed a humble heart. He was quick to confess both, both the sins of his people and of his own. Notice the fifth thing that I see in this chapter this morning. That is the communication found in verses 8 through 11. The communication, verse 8 through 11. Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling place for my name. Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Oh Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. And let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Nehemiah communicates with God through prayer. And notice two things that we find in his prayer. First of all, we find the reminder. The reminder, Nehemiah reminds God of his promise uh, to bless and to bring back home his people if they would turn back to God and serve him with their whole hearts. Nehemiah, Nehemiah reminded God that these were his people. 
These were God's people that were in trouble. These were God's people that had been dispersed. He reminded God, these are your people that are discouraged. These are your people that are distraught. These are your people that are dismayed. He reminded God that this was His city. It was His city, Jerusalem. The Bible said the place where God chooses to place His name. This is God's beloved city, Jerusalem, that has been destroyed and is in need of repair. And He reminds Him, He says, God, this is your city that's in trouble. Has God promised you something that you haven't seen happen yet? Has God promised you something in your life and you know that God has promised you but but time has gone by and you have not seen it happen in your life and you wonder if it's going to happen? Let me encourage you today. It's all right to remind God of His promises. Perhaps it's a promise that God has spoken directly to you in your spirit or in your heart. Maybe He's promised to save a child of yours and yet they're unsaved still today. Maybe God has promised you something in your ministry and you haven't seen it come about yet. Perhaps it might simply be something that He's promised to all of us that keep His commandments in His Word. It's alright to remind God, God, you said in your Word, if I would do thus and so, you would do such and so. God, I've done my part, now I'm ready for you to work. The reminder. Two things I see in Nehemiah's prayer. First, the reminder, and second, the request. And the request is found in verse 11. New Living Translation says, Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it in his heart to be kind to me. Nehemiah gets specific with God. He asks God to allow him to have favor with the king. You see, Nehemiah's heart is breaking over the sad situation of his people and of his hometown. And he is going to go before the king and he's going to ask for a leave of absence from his job as cupbearer to the king. He's going to ask for letters of reference from the king. He's going to ask for supplies and help to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Give me favor with the king when I stand before him, God, is the request that Nehemiah makes to God in prayer. I want you to notice that Nehemiah asked nothing for himself. Nehemiah asked nothing for himself, although there is nothing wrong with asking God for personal blessing. Remember Jabez's prayer? Jabez prayed in 1 Chronicles chapter 4 and verse 10, Oh, that you would bless me. Oh, bless me, Lord, bless me, Jabez prayed. Oh, that you would bless me and that you would expand my territory. Give me more. And please be with me in all that I do. And keep me from all trouble and pain. Jabez wasn't afraid to ask for himself, was he? He wasn't afraid to ask God. Oh, oh God. Oh, bless me, God. He said, bless me. and Oh, give me more. He prayed, expand my territory. and Be with me and don't oh, keep me from all trouble. And God granted him his request. There's nothing wrong with asking God for personal blessing. James chapter 4 and verse 2 says, You don't have because you don't ask. 
Sometimes people come to me and they got a problem in their ministry or whatever and you know they complain about something that doesn't work. I said, I can't replace something that don't work if I don't know it's broke. You don't have because you don't ask. Now let me just say, when you ask me, you're not always going to hear me say, yeah, okay. Jesus said in Matthew 7 and 11, Oh, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those that ask? The Bible actually urges us to bring our personal requests before God in prayer. But this time, however, Nehemiah asked absolutely nothing for himself. His heart is burdened for his people. His heart is burdened for his beloved city. Oh, give me favor with the king when I stand before him, he prays. Oh, let me have his blessing. Oh, let me have, let, let me have some of his provision. Let me have letters of recommendation from him. All of this he asked of the king so that he can help his people rebuild the walls that have been torn down. Let's look at just one more thing today and that is the compensation. And we've got to look at the next chapter to find it. The compensation found in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 1 through 8. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes when wine was before him, that I took the wine and I gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid. And I said to the king, May the, Lord, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, my homeland, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Then the king said to me, What do you want? What do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, How long will your journey be, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river that they must permit me to pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel which pertains to the temple for the city wall, for the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Notice two things in these verses. First of all, prayer heard. Prayer heard. God heard the sincere and heartfelt prayer of Nehemiah. Oh, David cried out in Psalm 65 and 2, Oh, you who hears our prayers. And in Psalm 34 and 17, the righteous cry out, And the Lord hears them. Sometimes we wonder, does God really hear us when we pray? Sometimes we wonder, does prayer really make a difference? Does it do any good at all to pray? Because you see, sometimes the harder that we pray, the worse things seem to get. 
I'm just being real with you this morning. I, I'm just keeping it real. I said sometimes the harder we pray, the worse things get. And we begin to wonder, does God really hear and answer prayer? Amen. Does it really do any good? Does it really make a difference? Does it do any good to pray? But yes, this morning the answer is yes, it does pay to pray. God really does hear and answer prayer every single time. So don't stop praying and don't stop believing and don't stop trusting. Two things about Nehemiah's prayer. Number one, prayer heard. Number two, prayer heeded. Prayer heeded. God answered Nehemiah's prayer and gave him everything he asked. Ephesians 3 and 20, Now unto Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly all that we could ever ask or we could ever think according unto the power that works in us. Does God always answer our prayers the way that we want Him to? No. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says not now. Sometimes God says, what? You want me to do what? Are you out of your ever-loving mind? Hear me this morning, people. It pays to walk with God. It pays. It pays to humble yourself before God. It pays to call out to God. It pays to include God in everything. It pays to rely upon God and ask Him for His help. Does He do everything for us? No. No. Does this guarantee that everything will always work out easy for us? No. Nehemiah and the people of God had to work very, very hard in rebuilding the walls. And there was a lot of opposition to what they were trying to do. But because of the incredible heart of a man named Nehemiah, God helped them, enabled them, gave them favor and used them. To accomplish the task. If we can have the musicians and singers back quickly this morning. As I stated at the beginning of the message today, my goal this morning, amen, is for us to discover the incredible heart of a man named Nehemiah. And now that we have discovered it all for us now to desire a heart like his. A heart of humility, a heart of compassion. A heart for both God and man. The heart of Nehemiah who wept and who mourned. Not for his situation, not for his dilemma, not for his problem, but for the problem of his people and his homeland. So often we get so fixed and especially those of you that are going through difficulty and it's not my my desire today to make light of your dilemma make light of your problem it's not my uh, uh, it's not my desire today to, to act like what's going on in your life is not big and not terrible and not horrible whatever it is that it might be today but I want to tell you this morning as long as you stay focused on your own problem your own dilemma your own situation your own problem things are going to get worse and worse and worse amen until you develop a true heart of compassion for somebody else until you become like Job was. Amen. 
God turned his whole situation around only when he got his eyes off of his own problem and got him on the problem of somebody else. When he prayed for somebody else, when he got his when his heart was tugged for somebody else's problem, when he prayed for them. And God restored, not only did he restore, but doubled everything that he had. I'm sorry if you're going through a dilemma this morning. I'm sorry if you're going through a difficult time today. Let me encourage you today to develop a heart like Nehemiah, a heart for others. And as you develop a heart for others, you'll get the attention of God. And God will be right there available for you and help you this morning. Would you stand with me in His presence today? While we're way over this morning, had to be that former staff member. I know it's his fault. Normally we would come to the front and spend some time, but if I do that, well, we're really going to have a congestion problem. I apologize to you right there where you're at. I don't want anybody to leave here this morning with a need in their life without being prayed for. So very quickly this morning, if you're here today and you have a need of anything,